This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. I saw all the oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG 13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramount Plus. <laughs> It's the Tom Bernard Show. Filling in for Tom Bernard, I'm Dave Schrader, along with... Oh, Josh Wolf. Hi, how are you? JB. Melissa <laughs> Kirk. Andy Brant Bernard. Cassie Schrader. We'll be back. We've got news stories and Josh Wolf from House of Comedy next on the Tom Bernard Show. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt Then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Doug Sprinthal, Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com. Tell us about this warranty for life thing. I, you, know, you know, you understand a lot more about this than I do. Well, of course. I know you're not an automotive mechanic. So let me tell you a cool story. This just happened a couple of days ago. I got an email. Somebody emailed me at DougAtWalzer.com, and he goes, Hey, I bought a 2005, and I think it was a Honda Accord, back in 2014, having some problems with the engine. Uh, Do I have any coverage? So I called the Honda store. We looked it up, and sure enough, the card qualified for a lifetime powertrain warranty. So it had to be under 60,000 miles at the time of purchase, uh, non-highline vehicle. And they covered the engine repair. Think about what that means. That's a 13-year-old car, and the guy got his engine replaced. It doesn't cover every single thing on the car, but all the, it's like major medical coverage. So the engine goes bad, transmission, four-wheel drive system. You're covered as long as you own the car, as long as you maintain it to factory standards. It's pretty cool. It actually is really cool. Well, I mean, it's a lot cooler than you or me. Well, it is really cool, though. Yeah, I mean, you know, 15-year-old car. And that's why I buy all my cars, and my family buys all their cars from Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com, because of warranty for life. And you like working with me, too, right, Tommy? Tommy? Tom? I, I don't think he's there. <laughs> That's really nice. Very professionally <laughs> delivered from Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. Old theme song. Couldn't find the latest one or just went Does that make that flashback Friday? Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back. This is the Tom Bernard Show. Tom will be back with you on Monday. He is currently out in Las Vegas with the KQ Morning Show. Uh, filling in, I'm Dave Schrader in studio with me from the House of Comedy this weekend. Friday night, 7.30 and 9.45 show. Saturday, 7 and 9.30, we have Josh Wolf. Josh, welcome. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. New digs. I haven't been to the new digs. Well, it's good yeah. to have you in here. 
There's that. Oh. Keurig. <laughs> I just so, so we can get it. We've done that so yeah. many times on the air. People don't even. People just, don't even hear it anymore. I, I'm kind of curious. The new digs, guys. The new digs. Yeah. You can hear the coffee. You maker. can hear yeah, the yeah. right behind. Yeah. It's always good to put it right behind the guest yeah. so that we get the. The full blast. Yeah, the um, old place was a little bit bigger. Yeah, yeah, there was another room for little, the coffee maker. Yeah. yeah, this one, the coffee maker's right. You you get it. I know you've been in and have talked to Tom before, so this is kind of new for you and I to get to know each other. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, how many fingers can you fit up your own ass? Uh, I will tell you how many. It depends which hand. Okay. Okay. Good. So, so uh, yeah. And did, it, and did I clip my nails? These are things we all have to figure out before we do that. Are you from uh, Are you from California? Originally? I'm from Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I from Massachusetts. I went to college in Texas, and I started stand up in Seattle. And then I went and finished when I figured I was ready for LA, and then I moved down there. But for me, I wanted to I wanted to see everything, mm-hmm. so I could figure out where I wanted to live. Right. I wanted to meet all different types of people, and so I figured uh, Massachusetts, Texas, Seattle, California, I was kind of touching all the bases. Yep. Most of them, most of them. Right. I didn't travel in the Midwest, no. but I didn't, uh, I knew I wasn't going to move to the Midwest. <laughs> so <laughs> You don't want to go to the, bustle, the bustling uh, state of Iowa for yeah, uh, residents? When I, I moved out of Massachusetts, I remember mm. because I was like, the winter, it's not happening ever again. I remember the last time I scraped my dad's windshield. And I walked in, and I put that scraper down, and I looked at him, I go, that's the last time I'm doing that. And he goes, no, it's going to snow again. I go, yeah, but I won't be here. <laughs> ever again. Ever again. Mm. Now, I, there are some things about the, the winter that I loved. When I was growing up, you know, you warm up your car in the driveway before. Mm. And so my friends and I in the yes, neighborhood. Yes, my wife does for me. Yes. My friends and I in the neighborhood, <laughs> we used to go out and move people's cars into other people's driveways. <laughs> so you'd go out, and there would be a car warming up in your driveway. It just wasn't yours. Oh and so you'd walk out and you were like, what is going on out here? And so my friends and I thought that was super funny until my dad was like, you know, that's grand theft, right? And I was like, no, 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 we're not stealing it. He goes, you're not? Are you getting in somebody yeah. else's car? Technically. And I said, yeah. And he goes, are you driving it away? Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah. And he goes, okay, that's grand theft. It doesn't matter where you leave it. You took it. And that was the last time we did that. I don't know. Yeah. But I said to him, I go, what are you, you going to do, call the cops? He goes, I'm not not going to call the cops. <laughs> and I said, all right, I guess I'll stop. I guess I'll stop. That's a little tough sound, love. Your old man sounds interesting. My, my, this, what, I wish that people parented a little more like my dad. So I, I, I know you told me to hold off on the swears, but one's coming. All right. All right. So uh, this is one of my favorite things that my dad used to say to me. Oh, so if he was walking out of the room, right. and I would say to him, uh, hey, where are you going? And he'd say, I didn't tell you. And I'd say, no. And he was like, well, I guess it's none of your fucking business then. And I was like, you know what? That's really good parenting, actually. You're 100% right. This is a mind my, my own business type of situation. Like, I, I'm on a need-to-know basis. I don't need to know where the grown-up is going. And if I needed to know, you know what? He would have told me. And if he didn't tell me, then shut your damn mouth. Like, it's none of your – the other my favorite thing was, like – so if my brothers and I, if he was talking to one of us and say what, somebody else chimed in from another part of the room, he'd look right at you and go, hey, what are the odds that I'm talking to you when I'm looking at him? And I'd be like, good, good point. Wow. Yeah, I don't really need to talk to you right now. So I, I love that. So at least you had conversation. If yeah. my old man got up and sort of walked out of the room and I go, hey, where are you going? He would just do the slow turn and stare at me like, <laughs> yeah. and there'd be no words. It was just a slow burn yeah. of... Don't ever, don't ever address her. Kind yeah. of the Clint Eastwood steely yeah. look, and then he'd walk out of the room anyway. And you know what? You got the point. Yeah, yeah. Which was none of your business. I am. My dad said something to me that made so much sense. Yeah, we were having dinner, and I, I have three kids, and we were having dinner, and um, I said to the one of my sons, "You want broccoli?" And after dinner, he kind of caught me in the in the kitchen. He goes, "Hey, man, you asked too many questions." I said, "What are you talking about?" He goes, "It's not. Do you want broccoli?" You're giving them the option to be part of the conversation. Right. It's not a conversation. We're having broccoli, period. And he said, you do the same thing. One of the problems you have getting out of the house is you've given the kids, do you want to go to the park? Nope. We're going to the park. It's, he said, it's, you're not – he said, I know you're scared to be a jerk. You're not being a jerk. You're being the parent. You're being the person in control. He said the problem that you and all your little friends have when you parent Mm -hmm. is that you've invited the kids into the conversation and you've created monsters. It's not their fault. It's your fault for inviting them in and opening the door. And I was like, you know what, man? You are 100% right. And that's what he said. He was like, I know everybody likes to blame the kids. They act the way you let them act. So you don't want them to act that way? Be the parent. 
And I was like, you know what? You, it switched for me. Insight. Like, yeah, it switched for me so quick. The question thing was the big one, right? Because he was right. I was giving him a voice. I was giving them a voice in the conversation. And this isn't me. Be I know some people are like, well, that's you're an asshole. You're for stifling yeah, your creativity. No, no, Josh. no, no. As a matter of fact, I would tell you something else. Mm -hmm. I think I expanded their creativity for a couple of reasons. I didn't let them at my house. If you were in front of other people, you couldn't have your phone in your hand. You want to use your phone to talk to your friends? You got to go in your room. Are you around human beings? Put that phone down. You couldn't use it in my car, even if you were in the back seat. You could either not talk, or you could talk to the other people in the car. But I, I was real quick when I saw how quick they were in the screens. I was like, "You're not going to lose your ability to talk to other humans. Not on my watch. There's going to be plenty of room and time for you to look up you porn on your phone. You know what I mean? You don't going to do that in front of me. You know, I don't. So all that stuff, I took a little bit from my dad and I think his generation when it came to raising the kids for sure. I wish See, more people did. I know I did. For sure. Yeah. I ran in, I say what I think what I've ran into was my dad was very old school, tough. You know, he came from the, like when he would do something, his dad would grab the baseball bat and yeah. it was a chase around the yard. So my dad stepped it down a bit. Right? Yeah, yeah but he I just went got with the flies water. No, the back of the spoon. Oh. I'd be at the restaurant talking and like ninja, you wouldn't see it coming whack right between the eyes. You'd hit me with the spoon. You're <laughs> acting up, you're acting like a goof, you're saying something or, or making me embarrassed. Bam, I got caught and there was no words exchanged. Yeah. And it was all in one fluid motion mm -hmm. as he's in the middle of a story. Whack. And then, and I, then back I, to the soup. Right? I like if your I, dad's If style. I spoke, it would have been it would have been worse, right? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I think I tried the next motion, you know, coming up in the eighties and and then becoming a dad in in the late eighties, early nineties. I wanted to be the gentler dad. I wanted yeah. to be the hey, we're but I'm the Alan Thick. I'm your pal. And then I realized, oh, I've gone horribly off track. I, I I've got to start adopting some of these styles. But I will tell you, you know, it's a new world to the point where my daughter, who is thirteen, yeah. Uh, my wife and I were having it out with her a couple months back. And I go, knock it off or else. And she looks at me and she goes, or else what? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, you don't want to find out because that's our go-to. Yeah. Right? And she goes, no, I'm serious. Or else what? You're not going to hit me. But here's you the thing. You can't make me go to my room. You have no control. And I just looked at my wife and I was like. That's oh. not true. That's so untrue. That's, <laughs> that's so untrue. True. That's so, let me just say a couple. Now, I also, I would tell you, I am, I never hit my kids right i did yeah. not hit them i did not need to but i was you so paid somebody I, else to do it i yes i did i actually yeah, had my neighbor come over when i left the house i'm like you're babysitting today this is how many swats they get no i i um my thing was this at a very young age and i had my my dad helped me with this i was tougher than i should have been mm -hmm. because i knew when i got to them them being teenagers i didn't want them to question whether i was serious or not they needed to know when I said something. So I never hit my son, but he knew I was bigger than him and stronger than him. If he was like at six, seven, I would pick him up so he could and he could feel me firm, not squeezing his hand, his arm so it hurt. So he could feel me. I'm bigger and I'm stronger and I would lift him up. So I was at he was at eye level with me and I would speak to him extremely seriously and I would put him down. I'm like, do you understand what I'm saying? And if I said to him, hey, don't do that. There was never a second warning. Because a second warning means oh, he's not that serious. Mm -hmm. You heard the warning the first time. So, so here's, if you didn't hit him, what, what happened if he pushed the button the yo, second time Yo, my son around? spent June, July, and August in his room mm -hmm. his entire summer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, go ahead. And, and, I'll tell you something else. My nine-year-old son, right. one day, he took his Game Boy to school. I told him, going in, I go, hey, man, you know you can't bring that to school. And he was like, I won't bring it. I go, you brought it yesterday, and I didn't know. The teacher told me you brought it. Do not bring that to school do you understand and he said yeah and i saw him put it in his bag mm. so the entire way to school i gave him the option i was like what do you think what anything you want to say anything you want to talk about no nope. all right went to school came home i was living in an apartment at the time i pick him up i don't say anything he thinks he gets away at boom we hit the third floor we go up the third floor he's walking down the hallway we walk by the trash chute and i go hey man take that game boy out of your bag and throw it down that chute and he goes what game boy i go you can go in your bag or i can go into your bag Take the Game Boy out of your bag, open up that trash chute, and throw it away. And now, I'm going to tell you, I was living with three kids in one room. I made $1,000 a month. When I tell you that I saved up for that Game Boy for his birthday, I saved up. <laughs> and it didn't matter because he needed to know. 
And my parents were like, you threw away. I go, I know that was a lot of money for me. <laughs> but you know what? He, I never had to have that conversation with him ever again. Yeah, there is there is an RL, RLs. And with my son, I... You don't have to hit him. He, you didn't have to hit him. <laughs> it was in his room. Then in his room, it was, if it continued, it was, this is coming out. You're staying in there, but this is coming out of your room. This is coming out of your room. This is coming out to the, get to the point where it's him and his four walls. Yeah, it's like that. You know, it, it, you got to get him to the point where you know, like the, that last scene in About Last Night, where Demi Moore's in the room, the door, the windows are open, <laughs> and there's nothing in her apartment except billowing. That's what it's got to be. Cold windows are gone. I don't send my kid like if I if when I would send my kids to their room, I would take beforehand. Like you don't get to go in. That's where you, that's where the Xbox is. Mm-hmm. Come on, we'll send you to your room. That's we're not doing that. But there are so many things you can do. What does she love? She love her phone. Do you pay uh, for yes. her phone? Yes. Okay, then that's gone. Does she love her iPad? Do you pay for her iPad? No, that school does. Okay, uh, <laughs> but but here's the thing: you can also work with the school. There's mm-hmm. so many things that you can do. And I'll tell you something else: the school, if you wanted to be a strict parent. The school would welcome you because they're so used to parents <laughs> taking the kids side. Yeah. They're so used to inst- – when I was growing up and I had a C in class, my dad would come in and look at me. What is wrong with you? Why do you have a C? Mm-hmm. Now the parents go in and they ask the teacher, teacher. why does my son have mm-hmm. a C? Well, it's not your teacher's problem. It's this, you're going to have good bosses and bad bosses. You're going to have good teachers and bad teachers. You need to figure out how to succeed in all of those situations. Don't blame the teacher. Figure it out. So you're not going to have the best boss all the time. What are you going to do? You're going to mm-hmm. go home and complain to your mom that you don't have a good boss? No, you got to figure it out. By, by the way, I have a great boss. Yeah, you do have a great boss. She's doing fantastic. Here's another thing is that we have taken our kids' abilities away to solve problems themselves. Because the yeah. first thing you say to them on a playground is go tell the teacher, go tell an adult. No, you're eight years old. Even if you get in a fight, how much damage are you going to do to each other? Solve the fucking problem yourself. Sorry about that. <laughs> but you're taking kids' abilities away to solve their own problems because you're hovering all the time. Yep. Get, go away. My- Let them be. I had my son had a 13 year old friend, and I was like, hey, I called them. I go, hey, I, they were gonna bike to the park. I'm gonna give this guy a hug during the break. <laughs> they were gonna him up. They were gonna bark. They were gonna bike to the park. Right. And the, my son's 13 year old male friend said, I gotta call call my mom, make sure she knows. I call and say, the kids are biking to the park. And she said, how long are you going to be there? I go, oh, I'm not going. The kids are biking. And she goes, well, they can't bike by themselves. I was like, yo, he's got pubes, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you're not going to let him get on the bike and go to the park? Like, wh- what, what are we doing? We're castrating them. We're castrating them. My son uh, sent me a text on his 25th birthday. He was drunk, but still. <laughs> he and sent the me the same why- text, by the way. <laughs> And the reason why I know it was Trump, it was eleven it was eleven thirty at night. But what he said was, Hey, thanks for raising me the way you did because I can handle situations. By the way, that sounds like ecstasy, not alcohol. So. <laughs> Just so you know. I love you, man. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for being a dad. You're the best dad I ever had. He, he Come says, rub my hair for me. He says his friend. He says, you can hear the pacifier going. Yeah. His friends freak out. <laughs> they freak out when the lowest thing happened in yeah. their lives. Right. Where he's like, I know how to sit and think. Or work my way. See, I need a time machine because I've totally ruined my children (laughs) in every aspect. Way, but I I would tell you what, I I love hearing people like you talk, and uh, by people like you, I mean Josh. All right, just so we're clear. But when when you hear these things. I, because I've, I've got a different realm. I've got a different world. I feel like I'm living in bizarre world. I leave here and I go because I, my kids, even at like three or four, were like Satan incarnate. Because I would I would do like you. I would lift them up and I would give the gentle squeeze and yeah. I'd go, I said no. And my son Nathan would look me in the eyes and go, so what? Okay. So and I was go. like, oh, I don't know where to go. Yeah. We, we have to take a break. Uh, but it, but I had it was. I would love to drop some of you guys in in my timeline and just let you see the kind of evil nature I truly had to deal with because I feel broken. I'm I'm a whipped puppy at this point. I'm, I shudder when my children I walk. How old the are they now? They're too many. I have eleven. We'll talk about it when wow. we come back. Stay tuned. This is the Tom Bernard Show. Tom Bernard here with the founder and CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski was here to talk about a great service and an app that you can get and use from North American Banking Company called XCheck. Tom, it's a payment app we developed. We wanted a simple application that was safe and secure, easy to use, and a way in which you could pay 
the kid who cuts your grass, shovels your snow, way you could split a dinner check without having to exchange cash, without having to write a check. The app processes the payment, puts it right into the receiver's account literally the same day. It's free to our customers. It's safe, secure, and easy to use. This is Tom. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, celebrating 20 years of providing a better banking experience. Check out nabankco.com slash KQ for more about XCheck. Member FDIC and equal housing lender. Mike is a disaster. Now, wait a minute. You better cut out that. <laughs> Tommy. <laughs> Tommy, 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 Tommy. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. Whiting Clinic has changed their name to include their two specialties, LASIK and cataract surgery. Whiting Clinic is best known for their amazing LASIK results and ability to enhance thousands of lives by restoring vision to clarity without the need for glasses or contacts. You've heard me rave about them for years. You know that. But did you know they're also experts in cataract surgery? Yes, indeed. And I'm a perfect example of their good work. You know what I'm saying. I see so clearly now. When my clear LASIK vision started to fade due to cataracts, Whiting Clinic took care of me again and have the most advanced lens technology so I can see far away and up close without wearing any glasses. If you're over 60 and have noticed your vision starting to fade, call the experts at Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. To learn more about your options for cataract surgery and clearer vision, visit whitingclinic.com or call 855-554-2020. That's 855-554-2020. And please tell them Tom sent you. (laughs) (laughs) This this is directed at me, by the way. It is. This is why. Because my dad, when he got, after this, uh, that movie came out, uh, Saturday Night Fever, when he would get ticked off. He would play this song, and it was a sign to all of us to like basically vacate the house. Oh, so this was your, <laughs> this was this his was your, angry song. Mm-hmm. This was your ding 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 ding. You knew the shark was in in prowler mode. And we were like, uh oh. I can just picture your dad. Time to go. You can picture your dad putting on the record, and then coming on, and then just looking in the mirror and just slowly starting to dance. Just tell me, JB. At some point, he popped the collar. Tell me, up with the collar and the slow moves. And this will sound really strange to people. He would go in the bathroom and pray. Mm. Give me the strength not to... I guess. There were nine of us. Lord, give me the strength not to kill this boy. Oh, yeah. And he he had a bad uh, professional life. He got passed over for... You know, he didn't have much of an education. He got passed over for, you know, raises and promotions constantly and whatnot. And he bring that crap home yeah and he just you know he was in the army at 14 he lied about his age in the army at 14 yeah Yeah. oh so he my grandpa went in 16 and we thought that was young six 14 yeah that's crazy yeah can you imagine and his parents sign off because your parents have to sign off at 16 oh yeah he liked the like the Double lie or whatever, mm-hmm. because he was too young, but right. then he was also even too young for the too, too young, young thing. <laughs> <laughs> but can you imagine a 14-year-old today? No. God, no. no. Flipping his hair. Like I'd like to. I'd like to imagine it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like to doing, imagine the, it. doing the... So <laughs> much, Josh. Honestly, they... They'd die. They would just die, yeah. They would just die. They're not built like that. They're not. They I don't mean, know. To, to the point, my mother, I acted up in, the, I think it was fifth or sixth grade. It was just class clown acting up, this, that, and the other. And they literally contacted a boy's home. Oh, yeah. Just, oh, yeah. just to see the options. Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah. My parents did you know, that. They told options. me they were going to send me to boarding school all the time. I doubt they ever would have, but as a kid, you well, know, they weren't no. going because it was going to cost money. Right. Well, <laughs> oh, no, Tom many would have reasons. Done <laughs> given the opportunity, he was afraid once he let him out, the Bernard family secrets would come out. And you know, mm. my this is the typical. This is, and I love my son. I tell so many stories about him. One of my f- recently, mm-hmm. so we we bought a new house, and um, he had dropped out of college, and so he came home, and uh, he was living at the house, and I said, "Hey, listen, man, we're moving into the new house," and. Uh, just so you know, you're not moving with us. And he goes, uh, "Oh, well, I don't understand. Is there is there's not there's not enough room at the new house?" I go, "No, there's plenty of room, but you're not moving." And he goes, "I don't know why." I go, "Well, you're you're not in college anymore, right?" And he said, "That's right." And I go, "Well, then grown men mm-hmm. who are, are in the workforce don't live at my house. That's how it is. You're grown up now. You decided not to go to college. 
totally good, your life, but now you're growing up in the workforce. You don't, those people don't live in my house. You don't see my brother Adam living here, do you? And he was like, yeah, but I don't, uh, all my, he goes, all of my friends, they still live with their parents. I go, you should go live there. Right. And um, he goes, well, what am I supposed to do? I go, well, you're going to have to save some money. I'll give you three months. You save some money. He's got a job. He's always worked. And then you got to go get, out and get, get an apartment. Get your own place. And he goes, I don't understand. I go, listen, man, at the end of the day, and I didn't want to say, look, I just want to start fucking your mom in the kitchen again. Uh, but I, I, <laughs> I didn't. Oh, sorry about that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, time. Uh, so I said, uh, but listen, dude, I go, it'll be good for you. It'll be good for you, to, for your independence and for, you know, to learn and mm-hmm. your confidence. And he just looks at me and he goes. Agree to disagree. I was like, fine. Oh my God. Hey, wait, can we agree you're not moving in with me? Can we at least agree that? Yeah, I know. But they, he didn't have any. But he told me, I'm going to tell you 100%. At the, two weeks later, he called me. He said, this was the best thing you could have done for me. He was like, there's no doubt. This, I'm so happy you did this. I was scared. And the only reason I was scared is I just was didn't know Molly? how to do it. He said, but now that I'm here... He, he sent me a video of him pouring beer in Captain Crunch and eating it. Oh, God. <laughs> well, That's my was, college life. Yeah, yeah. He was like, this is what I can do here. I'm like, cool. Left, you know, t- saying you got to find that hook. You were asking what, what could I get with my daughter over on my daughter. And you brought up the fact of, you know, I really just want your mom in the kitchen yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. My wife and I, the other day, were sitting at home and my, my daughter's being obnoxious and she's very loud. Her room is underneath ours. And I said, you need to tone it down. And she goes, why? And I said, because our room's above you, and we won't tone it down anymore. And she just hurt jaw at the floor. That is amazing. And the eyes open, and I go, yeah. you'll hear the spurs next time. And yeah. she's like, shut up, Dad. Shut up. I'm done. You're like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to shit with the door open from now on. How about that? Oh, sorry, you can't say that one either. <laughs> Pretty much all the swear words you know to be swear words, Josh, are swear words all the time. Poop. I meant poop. You're going to poop right. with the door open. My dad did used to, I think it was a power move. But he used to always drop a deuce with the door open. <laughs> always. Mm. And like, even when my friends that were... was a power move? Yeah, just to remind yeah, everybody whose house this is. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was probably 13, maybe 14. And he was, call- he was calling me from his room. Uh-huh. And he was like, hey, and I was with a buddy of mine. He was like, hey, you and Gary, come in here. And we come in, and I'm like, where? And I turn, and he's taking a dump with the door open. <laughs> and it, me and Gary just staring. They're 14 years old. And I'm like, oh, no. And he's like, what are you... Boy, he's gonna do today, and I was like, "Oh my God, what are we doing? What are we doing here, man?" It's one of those things that even if you grow up with it, you know it's not quite right. No, <laughs> you know the one thing I grew up with that I didn't know was odd until my friends. So my mom and dad used to smoke these big, not like Tipperillos, thick like like yeah, 40s gangster cigars. Right. Mm-hmm. Long, big, and they used to just... This the, was before... The but Yeah, this was before Cameron Diaz. It was, it was cool. It was my mom and my dad <laughs> smoking these big-ass cigars. And so I didn't even think it was a big deal. And I got a little older... And uh, my buddy was like, "Your mom smokes cigars, dude." <laughs> yeah, and women was, smoking cigars and I was like, is weird. Yeah, I was I like, don't know why, though. and and he goes. He goes, that's weird. I go, that's not weird. My, she's done it her whole life. And I go, he goes, yeah, that doesn't make it not weird. <laughs> I mean, he goes, it's just there's... a weird she's done her whole life. That's all. There's no reason it is weird. It's just women You're don't not used smoke to cigars it. You're not used for to some reason. It. It's, it's, yeah. it's not a social norm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't so. my house until I had to come home and be like, hey, you guys have to stop. Well, you don't, but you do. You <laughs> have to stop right now. I'm getting ridiculed at school. Mom, she my could... friends are beating up on me about this thing. Yeah, no smoking cigars. She could smoke a cigar with one of those Cruella DeVille things. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you put know, it in there instead of a cigarette. Though. Yeah, yeah, you know you what? Put a cigar I've, in there. I there you show go. You this. Please do. So I have my own form of a Cruella DeVille. I smoke a lot of weed. And um, I have my own form of, yeah, a lot, probably more than a human being should. But I have my own form of a Cruella DeVille cigarette holder. I smoke out of a baby hand. And so let me show you. Oh, here it is. It's called Smoking Baby Hand. That is a baby hand. Yeah, so yeah. I smoke I smoke my joints out of a baby hand. It's my it's my little <laughs> I put the baby hand on top of my finger and I only smoke out of it because I'm fancy. And so I, I do this thing every Monday night on my Facebook page called a High Live, where I go from I'm sober when I start. Hence the Yeah, Josh actually the, yeah. Hmm. I'm sober when I start and then I, I eat an edible, which is like hundred and fifty milligrams, and then I smoke for an hour straight. An hour straight of California weed. And so you get to watch from someone go from incredibly sober to this dude cannot 
speak in full sentences anymore. <laughs> it's a weird science experiment. And the same things happen. There's markers. Like about the 45-minute mark, if you're watching from 45 minutes on, you're watching for the train wreck. There, and, and, and I know the people who watch it different. Zero to 15 minutes, it's me talking about what the weed feels like. This, I like this strain. This is what it does. 15 to 45 is the fun. I got my <laughs> stuff together, but I'm high. And bing, 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 bing. We're having a good time. And 45 to an hour is just a train wreck. Is that when you start seeing more people start tuning in? They've now realized it's that last 15 minutes that they need to check? That's no, an interesting it, question. Like, when <laughs> is the peak? The peak is the 15 to 45. Mm-hmm. Right. Because oh, people really? want to yeah, see the laughter. Laugh. Yeah, but the 15 true. to... Lift. Yes. The 45 to an hour, it's the same people every week. Yeah. And they love the train wreck. They love the fact that most of the time, they're talking to each other about how high I am. That's what they're chatting yeah. about. Because they're like, this dude has not looked at the screen in seven minutes. Because sometimes <laughs> I'm in my backyard and sometimes I'm like, oh, what is that? And I'm just gone, gone. But it's so much fun. And I use my baby hand to smoke out of. And if you guys are listening and it sounds like a show you might want to watch, it's on my Facebook fan page, which is facebook.com forward slash Josh Wolf Comedy. And it's every Monday at 7 o'clock uh, Pacific time. <laughs> so you can watch Josh Wolf get high. It's so much fun. You know I'm telling you. My, my dad, right? So my dad ruled with the iron fist growing yes. up, right? He was a tough Polish uh, construction worker, and, there, you know, he did not suffer fools. I'd catch the spoon. Whatever. So in 2001, a couple of my old high school buddies are like, let's go to Vegas to watch Super Bowl. And uh, I, I told my dad, and he goes, oh, well, can I come with? I'm like, sure. Who was playing that year? Uh, that was the Patriots, Patriots Rams. and Rams. Yeah. yeah. So my dad, uh, my dad goes, well, can I go with you? I'm like, sure. So we go get a room at, at Treasure Island and, uh, my buddies call, come on down. We're going to, we're going to head out and get some neat. So we go down and as we get closer to the room, I can smell the pungent odor. And I'm like, Oh God, please don't be my buddy's room. Please don't be my buddy's room. Please don't be. I'm about to walk in with my dad, even though I'm an adult grown man. Yeah. I knock on the door and there's that pause. And then I see the I come through the people. I'm like, oh, it's my buddies. And they open the door, and it's just a haze. (laughs) And there's porn mags everywhere. (laughs) Floor, bed, and everything. So we walk in. So I'm just trying to do like I'm not noticing that they're getting high. I'm not noticing porn on the bed. And we all come in, and we're kind of chit-chatting. And everybody's just sitting around getting high. And my dad flakes out on the bed and starts flipping through Cherry <laughs> Magazine. And then out, out comes the giant Bob Marley, and they start doing the pass around the room. Yeah. Now, it's made it on the outside ring, so it's got to come past the old man and then to me. I'm the last part of this, uh, this circle of life. And I'm watching out of the corner of my eye, and my dad's not looking up. He's just flipping through Cherry. And all of a sudden, the, the, the joint comes lofting in front of his face. And without missing a beat, he just grabs it, flips a page, and goes, <laughs> And then hands it off to me without making eye contact. And I'm like, this is about to go down. I'm about to get high with my dad. And I I took the hit, and we were annihilated for the rest of the night. Then we go, and everybody's like, you you just got divorced. We're going to a strip joint. And I'm like, oh, man, I've now gotten high and going to a strip joint with my dad. We get in the car. This guy's like straight out of Crazy Cabby. He's right out of, uh, of, of Grand Theft Auto. We are banking. Oh, totally, and yeah. We're in this like minivan, and my buddy and I are sliding in the back seats. And my dad finally, at one point, just turns side. He's in the front seat next to the driver because that's where my, you know he has to be in the command module. My dad turns in his seat and looks at the guy, and he goes, "Where did you get your fucking license?" <laughs> and then he looks to the back, and he goes, "Boys, we're all gonna die tonight." And that's all my dad had to say. Oh yeah, we went to uh, San Francisco once, and the San Francisco cabbies there are much like that. Yes. Holy God. It's like yeah, we. We were pretty sure that we were going to die, but yeah, you can catch some air in San Francisco. Oh yeah, totally. But it's were you a, high, Andy? Because that makes it even a more terrifying <laughs> jaunt. It's, I can imagine. Oh. I, um, I don't think that my parents—they <laughs> know obviously that I smoke because they sure, see they my watch ass. the video. They do. I, they, my mom loves it. She goes, "I love that high live. It's so funny." <laughs> and she uh, <laughs> because she's never, you know, she's not. But she'll sometimes like when we're together because you know when if you listen to my podcast. Or you, my act. I talk. I do talk about weed, but sometimes she'll lean in because she, she doesn't know. She's like, "Are you high right now?" <laughs> like with a weird smile on her face. Like it makes her cooler to be in front of somebody. Are you high right now? Is that what's happening? I'm like, no. I'm just. 
It's 8 a.m. I always look like this at 8 a.m. <laughs> just because but, you've been up for four hours doesn't mean, you know. But you, why, when you turn 80, do you wake up at 4 a.m.? I know. I know. Why do you get up earlier? Or I, we, just, I don't get it. we just do. Is that just yeah, like a biological. Yeah, but wouldn't you yeah, sleep you more? If I was 80 years old, I'd be sleeping 12 right, hours I'm a day. Sleeping do you know? No, no, you I won't. I'm, 50, I'm 56, uh-huh. and I wake up at clock. Like clockwork at four. You just four. can't help I, that's it. That's a prostate thing, me. dude. You should probably look into that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? You or should probably. You, I don't have or you should get high. I was in a meeting. Actually, this is. So, you know, are you Stan Lee no, guy at all? I don't do that. No, yeah. Yeah. So, I, I had a meeting with Stan Lee. And um, this was, I bet, five years ago. So, he was, I think, right at 90. This might have been six years ago, 89. Um, he, they, uh, Stanley's office had sent out an edict that he, they wanted like a, an edict. A, yeah. Like the a Stanley edict. Well, he had sent yeah. that he wanted like a, a, uh, hangover. Do you want me to start this after? Yeah. We've got one minute yeah. coming in. So I want to yeah, definitely yeah. make sure we get the entire Stanley okay. story. But if you'd like to see Josh Wolf and the high life, you can check him out at house of comedy this weekend tonight, seven thirty and nine forty-five tomorrow, seven o'clock and nine thirty. And, uh, check out the website for updates and information and how you can get tickets. Tickets still available for the entire weekend. Most definitely. Just, I know we're getting close to sell out, so make yeah. sure you don't wait, get your seats, go on out and have a good time. You guys deserve it. We got crappy weather coming soon. You might as well get out and have a couple of good nights. Of fun. Is it coming? It is. Tonight. Oh man, it's it's coming. Tonight. So get out, have some fun, go out and enjoy yourself. Comedy is the last bastion of real, true entertainment. Yes. Get out and see it, have some fun. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we've got more and a Stan Lee story. We've got to hear about the edict of Stan Lee next, right here on the Tom Bernard Show. Tom Bernard here to tell you, Priority Courier Experts has immediate openings for drivers looking for more. Priority drivers are independent contractors who set their own hours, start from their own driveways, and deliver local on-call parcels and freight, which means you're home for dinner every night, and you get paid weekly. Right now, Priority's driver-friendly lease-to-own program has brand-new dock trucks, flatbeds, curtain sides, and tractor trailers just waiting to be driven home. And Priority is also offering a $4,000 sign-on bonus to qualified drivers. So if you've got the skills, we can get you qualified to start driving a brand new truck in as little as three days. Calling all drivers. Come get the $4,000 sign-on bonus you deserve for all the knowledge and experience you bring to the delivery business. Call our fleet reps right now at 651-748-4477 or visit them online at Priority.com. Priority Courier Experts. Every time you call us, we deliver. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. Uh oh. It's Andy Oki time, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I don't know about that. All right, we're back. This is the Tom Bernard Show. Josh Wolf in studio with us. A few snow showers today. Yeah. That's, uh, that's what I said, though. It's coming. Winter's like, about to break. Oh, I thought Minnesota. you meant like there was going to be a blizzard tonight. No, I was like, no, no, oh, no, no. It's like no. a one to three inches or something. Yeah, yeah, as nothing. long as it doesn't dip this below isn't 20, Atlanta. I'm good. One, one inch, one and a half inches in Atlanta, and it looks like yeah, we scenes don't from The Walking Dead. Yeah. We, we, I went to college in San Antonio, and the very first year I was there, there was a, a rumor that it might snow. So they obviously People were stockpiling shotguns and, and beans. Worse. <laughs> They were not prepared for it. They had no idea what to do. So you would drive around the city and you would see just holes in the ground. They weren't sprinkling dirt. They had dug holes and they were – they weren't sprinkling sand. They had dug holes and were just sprinkling dirt, sod. So obviously it's San Antonio. It didn't snow. It rained. And what happened to the dirt? Yeah. Every street was caked in mud because they had sprinkled – Dirt because they didn't have the sand. It was the dumbest thing. Yeah, I don't I, think that's when they were sprinkling the dirt, I was I was actually because I grew up in Massachusetts and I was like, hey, by the way, everybody, this is a bad idea <laughs> because if it, if it does just rain and then freeze, you're gonna have some lumpy ice out there. Do you know what I mean? It's not gonna be good for yeah. anybody. 
Um, we'll just call up Minneapolis and be like, hey, what do we do? Because we've yeah, done it every year every for year. the past, you know, 200 years or however the hell long. My wife, been living here. She's, she's like, are you scared you're going to get snowed in the airport in Minneapolis? I'm like, no. <laughs> Minneapolis airport is prepared right. for snow. This isn't if Chicago. Anyone, we have, yeah, we have special trucks that we truck out and we yeah. hose down the plane with some crap that just melts whatever it touches. Orange. <laughs> it's like an orange. Yeah. Yeah, it makes me nervous. I'm like, so it's just melting the ice, not the plane, right? <laughs> yeah, so, I know. Because it's pretty wonder. efficient at the one thing. I just want to make sure it's not eating through any of that stuff we need to keep you us know, in the air. that's nothing for you to worry about, Josh. Just let pilot <laughs> yeah. do Take you where we're going. Just don't breathe it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, coffee. now we've got yeah, the coffee maker. Good timing on this. Let's uh, let's go back. Stanley, of course, we just lost Stanley at the age of ninety-five yes. recently. The the godfather of the current comic book world. So you had a chance to get to meet with Stanley about five six years ago. So they he had wanted him and his office wanted like a hangover type superhero movie. That's what they were saying. And um, this was back when they were making when Hangover after Hangover came out. Everybody, there's nothing original in Hollywood, right? So people were like, "We need Hangover movies," and a couple of them made the screen, but right. none of them are as good as Hangover because Hang, you know, it was the first as I was right, the best. Mates. Right, it was great. That was it. It was great, right? So, but I, but there were so many Hangover types, hungover Hangover type scripts in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. So I was like, okay, I'm going to take the meeting, but I am not going to pitch that. I am going to pitch something completely different, superhero, uh, but different because I'm, I want to stand out because everybody's going to pitch the same story, mm-hmm. basically. You know what I mean? And so he's either going to love it or he's going to hate it. So I go in, and it's him and his partner, Gil Champion. And uh, we chat a little bit up front. I said to him what I'm sure everybody who meets with him the first time says. They talk about how, what he meant to them in their life. Mm-hmm. I do want to say one thing about him. And it takes a very special type of icon, and from what I understand, Paul McCartney is the same way, to listen to everybody's story about mm-hmm. why yep. they're important to them, to listen to what you, what you meant to them as a child every time. I'm sure you hear the same thing over and over again. He smiled. He thanked me. He was humble. It, it was an amazing thing. And, and, and you know, I, I know some, and I won't mention them, but some musicians, they have hits that they won't play. They yeah, won't they, play like, Only new stuff. Mm-hmm. Don't don't think about my past. So you're not rewarding the fan for being a fan. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan because of this song, and you're not going to play it because you're sick of playing it. Yeah. That's not you got it. That's not how. And McCartney. Somebody asked him, "How do you still love singing, Hey Jude, and Let It Be?" And he was like, "Because they love it. I right. love watching them love it. This is my job." It's, is Imagine to, is being to play. Yeah. at a point in your life where hearing people talk about how, you know, you basically defined their lives is boring to yeah. you. Yeah, and so Stanley was, at, even at 90, dude, and like I, look, my grandfather at 90 farted in front of the waitress because <laughs> he was like, what do I care? I don't really care. I'm a, I don't care if she's I'm here or not. I'm waiting for death. Yeah, yeah, he didn't really care. Just, just, he didn't. So let me just, I just wanted to say that about him. I was so impressed that I know I wasn't the only guy and he still took the time to let me say everything I wanted to say. Mm-hmm. He didn't interrupt me. He didn't interject. He let it all come out and he was like, thank you. That means a lot to me. And he explained why it meant to, what it meant to him and it really was important to me. And so we sit down to do the pitch. He's 90. Two chairs sitting across from me. I'm sitting on a, on a sofa and I start to go into the pitch and I'm about... Two minutes in, and he starts to nod off. Uh-oh. Just He's 90. Yeah. He just starts to nod off. And as he starts to nod off, his partner laughs in, at a part in script, that, at the pitch that didn't really merit a laugh. And he slapped, but he didn't slap his armchair. He slapped Stan's. And Stan woke up and just kind of nodded his head like he had been awake. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm watching it. And I've done enough live stuff where I don't get thrown by much. So I was like, okay, this is the dance. Mm-hmm. This is this is how they do it. This is how they do it. This is how they do it. And obviously, Stan is a really proud dude who doesn't want not to take meetings because he's getting older. Mm-hmm. He wants to hear ideas, and he still has great ideas. The notes that he ended up giving me were next level. But he's a proud guy. He doesn't want to be the dude who's sleeping. And they had worked out this dance. So I'm like, okay, I can I can roll with this. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to interrupt this, and I don't want to embarrass this dude. And and let's you know roll. But we were at about the third fall asleep, where Gil raises his hand. I go, hey, that's cool. I go, let me leave the paper. I go, it was, 
because Stan, I think, went home at that time at, at around 1 or noon. He didn't stay the whole day, and he took his morning meetings, and we were getting towards noon. And my theory is this. If you're 90 and you fall asleep in public, that means your body was like, hey, we need to recharge right yeah. now. We need a little <laughs> recharge, everybody. So time, we're, we're, we're pulling the plug. Right. Yep. But like when you see old people fall asleep in public, they, they their body is telling them, hey, we can't wait much longer. <laughs> we need a recharge. We need a recharge. Right. And so I was like, this man is 90. He's going home in a half an hour. You know, just have him read the paper. I'm, I was so, so just per, uh, happy to be able to come in here and meet him. The fact that he's going to read this and take a look and maybe give me notes is so much for me already. Um, and that's what. And they ended up going with my idea, by the way. Oh, very cool. Uh, but it was such a cool meeting. But it was such, it was so weird to see the dance. Mm-hmm. And they had timed it so well. I was like, "This is." They do this every day, three hours a day, yep. every day. And I, uh, and afterwards, I had talked to Gil, and I was like, "Hey, man, I, I, I didn't want to disrespect him or you, but there was no reason to keep doing that. You know, I, I didn't want it to end up a bit in one of my acts. You know what I mean? So let me walk out of here now. I mean, I respect him, but not enough to keep him out of my act. So let, let, let me just walk out of here and uh, and give you the paper. And it was great, man. And he, and by the way, at ninety. The, f- the first three or four things he said about the treatment were – I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. And he was like, yeah, this, 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 this. And it changed the entire – his notes were so crisp and so sharp and no wasted words. And four things changed the entire story and made it so much better. It was really amazing when you get a chance to uh, sit in front of who, someone who truly is like a, a master at their craft mm-hmm. and you get to ask them questions or have them give you notes about their craft – it's an insight. It's steps so far behind anything, beyond anything you would have even thought of. It was very cool to be able to sit down with him. Very, very, very cool. Um, and that's the story of Twilight. And yeah, every, yeah everybody. Josh Wolf, <laughs> a.k.a. Stephanie Meyer. We appreciate that. No. Yeah, it, it, I, you know, I grew up with comics, man. Right. I get a, used to get them mailed to my house. I had a, I, I went to the Comic-Con in, in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I was, I don't know, like 15, 16, and there was the huge line to meet Stan Lee. And I knew I couldn't. My dad was coming to pick me up in about two hours. This line was like a four-hour long line. I just wanted to see him. So I got up to the front of the line, on the outside of the line, just to look. And I'm looking, and the table's empty, and they're waiting, and, and everybody's sitting there in bated breath. And all of a sudden, I feel this hand clap my back, and he goes, what's going on over here? And I go, we're waiting for Stan Lee. And I turn, and it's Stan Lee. And he goes, you think he'll sign my autograph? <laughs> and he gives me the wink and the smile. Amazing. And just brushes past me goes to the table it was like i had my moment with stanley it was just so cool to to have that few seconds because again he wasn't no there was no pretense he didn't come in surrounded and people walking he just literally walked past the crowd came right up to me knew that i was looking to glimpse the stanley <laughs> and he's like can i ask playing with me on it you know if you had if you could have given if when whoever the comics books were important to what would you have told him like this is why you're important to me uh, you know, I kind of did that uh, for whatever it is when, when he passed away, was I, I was a bullied kid. I dealt with a lot of crap and abuse growing up. So Spider-Man was my, was my escape. So for a couple times a month, I could spin webs over Manhattan and I could be a teenage boy that had abilities and, and I could connect with these characters. And I found myself in, in the X-Men and in, in the Hulk and Spider-Man. So that was kind of my... Dude, there's, that, that helps I, I think me. that's common. I, I think yeah. there's a lot of hidden messages in those comics. One is for people who were bullied. Mm-hmm. A lot of people found just th- this is where they felt com- like right. yeah, they felt there was a community that was created. Do you know what else I think it taught was humility. All of his heroes were humble about mm-hmm. Peter Parker. Never said I'm Spider Man. Right, every the, single one of them. They there was a humility in it to to their they were and they were all and, flawed too. And the, yes, and the bad guys. With flaws yes, that had the ability to do those things. And, but but they didn't but they, didn't flaunt them, right. and so they were humble about it. And there was a certain humanity that he put in his characters. He was and teaching the, you character. The bad guys were the people who bragged mm-hmm. and the people who told you about what they were gonna do, mm-hmm. and the good guys just did it. They didn't talk or tell you what they're – and so there were so many lessons about how to be a person in his comic books. It was just so good. For me, I'll tell you what it did for me. I was not bullied growing up, but my parents could not get me to read for anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they were like, you're going to have to read something, pick something. And so I read these comics, and I was – as somebody who tells stories on stage, it was my first true love of story. 
And I was like, God, this, these stories are so – I didn't know I loved it so much and mm -hmm. the layers and the stories and how they continued from comic to comic and how a story might pick up from episode 25 and you might not see it again until episode 50. And all that stuff I just loved. And I started reading books because of the comics. Mm -hmm. And I still read because I love stories. And, and those comic books turned me into loving stories, which turned me into a storyteller on mm -hmm. stage. So it, it – I can't put a value on what those comics did right. for me. I really can't. You know, it's funny because, uh, you know, having that kind of brief moment, and you're like, what, what do you say if you have that time? I went to meet my hero two years ago, Bruce Springsteen. Just His music has, has really saved me through life. You know, it's just always been there as an anchor. So I, I go to meet Springsteen. He's one of those guys, too. Stanley right. Springsteen. Uh, uh, McCartney, he, he'll play the hits yeah. for you, too. And I, I flew out to Los Angeles for this deal. It was a book signing, right? Uh -huh. I fly out to Los Angeles on a whim, stand in line, land, get driven right to the bookstore, and jump out in line, and I'm in line for the next 24 hours, meeting other great people. But I, you get in, and they're like, you have three seconds with Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> and I'm like, well, how do you encapsulate what you want? I don't want to just go up and, and stand for a quick second. So the only thing I could do... I Can boiled, I blow you? That's two I, seconds. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I, I boiled it down to one thing. And what I Can really... I your dick? That's two seconds. What, what I really liked was that he... <laughs> Cradle the balls. You can do all that in three seconds, I think, if you're quick enough. Yeah, but that's a, you know, that, that conveyed the wrong message, you know? Or the right one. No, I'm just I saying. <laughs> and, and he was cool because he you could see that he engaged. He, he had... I yeah. think there's 1,500 people in line. Where is and the bookstore, you know? uh, I can't remember the name of it. It was in some very trendy... Uh, Down by the Grove, probably. Yes, the Grove. Yeah, that's yeah. what it's called. Yeah. And so I'm watching him interact with people. And like I, I met Shatner. Shatner sits in a chair like a wax figure, and you go sit next yes. to him. You don't talk to him. You don't direct. And they take a picture. And you don't touch him. And you look at every picture out on the table, and it looks like you're sitting next to a wax figure because yeah. he doesn't change. Springsteen would greet you and made eye contact the whole time. And as I walked up to him, I had that that brief window i just put out my hand and i shook his hand and i said you saved my life and he looked at me and he patted me in the back and he said good that's good boom we took the picture he patted me and i was done and uh, that was it that's dude, all it needed another guy who understands his place and understand what he means to people springsteen fans are fanatics that's oh, where yeah. the word comes from and so you know he hears a lot and for him to understand that and, and by the way, I'm sure he's heard that before, and I'm sure for a while it took him saving. No, he and, didn't, Josh. He's never heard it before. <laughs> I was the first one, and it meant the most. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> he jumps out the window. <laughs> <laughs> this is the end. I thought that was real. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, and then but, I cradled his balls. Yeah, so. why not? That's the way to really yeah. make an impression. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you want to make an impression, yeah. get a handful. He's like, prove it. Yeah. yeah. So I did. How many fingers do you fit in my asshole? <laughs> <laughs> you said it first. <laughs> Josh Wolf is live at House of Comedy tonight, 7.30, Uh Tomorrow, Saturday, 7 and 9.30. And Josh, it's been great, man. And I'm definitely going to have to watch you get high. I'm going to watch you should, your you live should, video. Yeah. What night is it every night? Every Monday. Monday, 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 Monday. And night. by the way, if you're listening and you're wondering what show you want to come to this weekend, I'm going to tell you straight up. Anybody who knows me and see me knows this. Early shows, I do my set. I st we have a late show. We need to turn it over. I do an hour. It's funny. It's funny. We have a good time, but it's bam, bam, bam. Late shows get loose. I may or may not eat an edible. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so things happen at the late shows. If so you, tonight, 9.45, tomorrow, 9.30. If you like a looser show, the late shows are the ones <laughs> you want to go to. Thank you very much, Josh, Josh Wolf. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Ryan Singer joins us next here on the Tom Bernard Show.